action. Hello and welcome to Your Average Critics, joined by Chris, Obi and a special guest, Julia. So welcome, Julia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Um, so we know Julia through our friend Tom, um, who you cohabitate with, your words. Um, so tell us about your interests in film and TV, um, you know, why you wanted to kind of join us on this podcast. Um, well... Uh, well, first, I wanted to join this on this podcast because from the first time I met Obi, I think at that German beer hall, um, we were talking about TV and film and I was, you know, sort of, I don't know, just saying all this stuff that he didn't ask to hear. And he was like, oh, you should be on our podcast. And I was like, oh, wow. Yes, Obi, networking. <laughs> I specifically said you were you and Deb would love to have a conversation with each other. Is what I specifically said. Yeah, because deep into it, and obviously I'm not. I'm very surface level, and Den's like very knowledgeable about. Well, uh, yeah, because um, I was saying like all these like classic films, and you didn't know any of them. No, literally. And I was disappointed (laughs) because I thought I thought that you were like a big like film buff. Pardon. You know classic films, mate. I think you're more of a horror genre, aren't you? Well, a classic, you know, there's a few classics I've seen, I'm sure. I've probably studied some of them, but yeah. Right. What classics uh, in in particular? Yeah, so I always start with this film because it is my most absolute favourite film in the world. It is um, called The Graduate, 1967, oh, yeah. directed by Mike, Nich- Mike Nichols, starring Dustin Hoffman and Bancroft and Catherine Ross. It is just the most gorgeous film um it basically takes on the sort of upper middle class lifestyle um in america through this um young uh graduate he's literally just finished uni played by dustin hoffman who comes back to his like town in california doesn't really know what to do with himself and then he begins begins an affair with um um mrs robinson who is played by anne bancroft who's like a family friend from the neighborhood and she's obviously like a lot older than him. And it's kind of centered around that. And it's just, I think, the most beautifully written script. And um, the, the music, which is soundtrack by Simon Garfunkel, it's just gorgeous. And just all of it. I think I've seen it so many times. And yeah, I could go on and on about The Graduate. I could have an entire podcast just discussing The Graduate. But maybe maybe we could. That. I'll rewatch it and we can have a discussion. I was going to say. Oh, like, my God. Like, yeah. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah, it's got... um. You know the song like Mrs. Robinson? You guys yeah. must know that one. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it was Robinson. written for the film. Yeah. Isn't that like a general term for cougar now, like Mrs. Robinson? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's become like a cult sort of name. Um, very yeah. famous shot of her arched leg and you can see Dustin Hoffman through it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is a very famous scene um, because he's just so uncomfortable. And I mean, the acting, the performances are amazing. And Dustin Hoffman is one of my favorite actors. Uh, and just like he pretty much I think, I think he just played himself just like this really awkward 20 something year old who didn't know how to behave um, and there's this scene when they go to like so they always meet at this hotel um, and they meet in this hotel room and the first time like he's never had sex before <laughs> like she's just like taking her clothes off just like in her own corner just like trying to like fold them up and stuff it's all very mechanic and awkward and it's not romantic and sexy at all and he just like walks over from like one side of the bedroom and like grabs her boob while she's like undressing and just keeps his hand there and then just walks. So <laughs> that sort of film hopes. Oh damn. Um, no, it doesn't go any further than that. Um, but it is like just some of those scenes that like, you just you can't help but laugh, but also feel like oh I I've 
not that I've been in that situation, but I can see myself being just so awkward. But yeah. 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 Have you seen um, Dustin Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy? I have not. I don't know how I still haven't seen that film. Oh. But also maybe because I'm just terrified because I heard it's such a intense and really depressing film. I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, it could be a bit more up, upbeat, I guess. It's about a male prostitute, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. And, you know, he's, I don't know if it proceeds or. Um... I think that The Graduate was his first big break. So oh, I okay. think that that came after. I think it was like one of his very first films. It kind of put him on the map, map really. So what other films or TV shows would really kind of capture you, Julia? Okay, so all of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, uh, where's like you would, Ollie Bradshaw, who's like one of the founding members of this podcast, who's somewhere in the Caribbean, probably. He loves the Lord of the Rings and he watches them religiously every time he's hung over, which is pretty much weekly. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, he you, sounds and he like a character. Would, he's, yeah, he's I was gonna good. say, have you, met, have you met me? Me? You could, yeah. I don't think so. To be fair, I don't know. Tom doesn't... Okay, this is going to be on the podcast. Tom doesn't go out much with his friends. So it took me like a year into our relationship to even meet Obi, who's like his boy, to use Love Island language. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I haven't really met a lot of people. Like, I haven't met Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Only only via fire Skype. So how long have you and Tom been together? Just deep Um, practicing a little bit. So we got, I remember, I think we went on our, like, first date in, like, October 2017. But, you know, Tom, it's not like we ever sat down and said, like, oh, are we going out now? It's just kind of happened. So, yeah, technically, I guess he never asked me. So maybe we've never been together and we're not together. We just <laughs> yeah, live together and have a dog. <laughs> and we have a dog as well. So I don't know. I might text um, him now. I'll be like, are you exclusive? <laughs> But, I'll wake up in the night and just be like, so like, what are we? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. Okay. I'm, I don't. I, have no, I don't know is the answer. Um, a couple years, let's say that. Yeah. But okay. So what other like films or shows or anything um, apart? So Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Does that extend to the Hobbit or is it just? No, no, no. Oh, okay. okay. I was not a fan of Peter Jackson's interpretation of the Hobbit. Like, I mean, why was it extended into three films? Like, that doesn't, no. Um, yeah, exactly. Thank you. It was so Hollywood. It was so, like, the first three films, like, I grew up with them before I was even, like, old enough to be able to read the books. And they were just so beautiful. And I describe a lot of things as beautiful. But they were just so faithful to the books. And, you know, I don't, The Hobbit just felt like just another Hollywood, you know, like, when you try so hard and then it just, no one gets into it kind of thing. Um but no, I didn't, it doesn't extend to The Hobbit. And I don't know, I, even when people say like, oh, I really love The Hobbit, I just really judge them for it because I'm just <laughs> like, no, it's not, you don't know, you don't know Lord of the Rings if you say that, you know? But um, no, I'm, I'm a bit of a both. snob when it comes to them. Was that hopes? It's like, can you not love both? No, you cannot love both, Obi. Neither can live while the other survives. Um, Thank you. What about? Maybe watching a TV series. I was gonna, I was gonna say, what, what are your thoughts on the Lord of the Rings TV series? I haven't. Is that even out yet? No. Oh, the TV Next series. Year. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm excited at the possibility of it, but I don't know where it's gonna pick up from. 
I don't know where it's gonna like what angle it's gonna take on I have no I have no doubt that it's gonna be like an, a super production with amazing effects so I'm not worried about that I just don't know what take it's gonna have on it I don't know I have to do more research on it to think about it I'm excited potentially I just I'll just say that I presume there's a lot of world that they can explore other than just the mm-hmm. characters the yeah show. I mean uh, I, I don't know if you've read Lord of the Rings, but um, Tolkien, he created this entire world of Middle-earth. And before Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, he wrote the Cimmerillion, which is basically a, a map and guide to all the different peoples of Middle-earth and, and that. So there's a lot that they can go to. Um, but then again, I feel like, it, uh, you know, an example being like the, some of the recent Star Wars films, when you try to do too much, sometimes it just doesn't doesn't yeah. really go. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so yeah. The Graduate, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that's like key you? Key me. TV related, something TV. TV, it's something TV. Okay, I, I recently I've become much more into TV than film simply because I'm obsessed with the writing on TV. Okay. Um, so obviously, if, if like the first thing that comes to my mind um, that I've always watched is Friends. Um, but that was more just because I just thought it was just such You're a lovely group of friends. Oh, wait, quickly, quick, quick story. I went to um, <laughs> to uh, Appleyard and Julia's house not long ago. We played the Friends. <laughs> we played the Friends. Um, was it Friends trivia? I can't remember what. Yeah, it was friends. like a Trivial Pursuit Friends edition. And she oh. literally got every question right. It was the, <laughs> oh my god! Weirdest thing. I've, and it was so obscure. I just oh my god. It was, it was things like um, what was the color of Ross's uh, lamp in his house? And I knew that. It's so weird. Wow. I couldn't agree. Um, yeah, I just um, and I think I just loved it because you know, especially when I was younger, and like, I think I started watching it. I was about maybe like twelve or thirteen. And just think like, oh, what a great group of friends. Like you just live near each other all the time. And you realize that obviously that would never happen. Like in London, like it takes me an hour to get to my friend's house. Like, um, so it's like completely like it doesn't really happen. But it just makes me think like, oh, everyone wanted to, you know, when you, especially when you're in your twenties. Actually, now that I've started watching more of it in my twenties, twenty two by the way, um, I started thinking that, uh, you know, the first episode of you know when Rachel is all like, I'm so lost in this world, just run out of the wedding, doesn't have a career or anything like that a lot of people really resonate with that. And like now that I'm in my twenties, I kind of like really, really related to that in a whole different level, just because before to me, it was just a funny show, but then it was really all like a really long coming of age story. Um, yeah. And that's what I liked about it. I get that. I feel like the whole friends kind of, uh, want, want of a better word, pandemic kind of passed me by a bit. I never really mm. watched it. I know bits. And I've seen yeah. bits, but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen every episode. But I don't yeah. know, I'm not really no. a sitcom person. Right. Yeah. No, no. I, and I totally get that because as I've become, you know, as I've started getting more into TV, I've realized that the writing on Friends, you know, it's an amazing TV show and it revolutionized TV, but it is very basic writing. And the writing on other TV shows just goes way beyond, like, one example, The Office, um, which is right. kind of Friends esque in a way. But the writing on it was, I felt so much, it was so superior. Um, How do you evaluate writing? To me, the thing with um, Friends is that every single line is generated for it to get a laugh out of it. And to me, what I find the clever writing is in shows like The Office and other British shows that I actually really like is, um, I would rather well talk about The Office US version, but 
also translates to different British shows that I like, is that the comedy is subtle. The dialogue is really what, the dialogue between the characters is really what gets to you. And it's not all about the punchline. Um, okay. So that, that's what I really enjoyed when I, because my brother actually got me into The Office. He's like saying, it is so much better than Friends, you need to start watching it. And I do love it. And, it, and a huge part of it is because it's not overtly in your face funny. It, it's hilarious, don't get me wrong. But it is more about the characters and their development rather than the actual setting around them. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I think sometimes like with The Office, and again, I've not seen much of it, it's like the look to camera can just be as funny as some of the lines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think with The Office, it's also just that people are so... Um, unhappy in their jobs and they just hate their lives so much and that's what makes it funny because I mean I mean I don't know what jobs you guys do but everyone's had a boring office job at some point um, yeah I was yeah. the Pam of the office in my previous job oh really just, yeah uh, and, was, and I didn't have I didn't Tom, have a, was Tom the John Krasinski character no Tom didn't work there unfortunately and I, he wouldn't have been can you imagine Tom like getting up to like talk to me and like say stupid things about like I don't know <laughs> pranking Dwight and stuff like that no he wouldn't <laughs> he would never be John Krasinski <laughs> which is one of the many sad things about my life is that just Tom will never be John Krasinski is and John Krasinski Dwight? is the pro- is <laughs> no I'm joking Dwight I'm is joking. a whole other thing I don't know what Tom would be I don't know I'm a bit of a prankster None... um he is um to the, he's not like Jim. Like Jim is just a guy who lives to make people laugh, which he doesn't do. He does pranks, and I've heard of like pranks that he said more just for his own gratification, really. <laughs> he's a sadist. He is a sadist. Oh my god, I've said this so many times. He just, um, I don't know. Maybe he's a sociopath. I don't know. I hundred agree with that. <laughs> oh my god, know. can we just change the focus of this podcast from films to? bashing Tom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he could have so much more content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Now, in all, I mean, to the record, and because I know Tom and his family have been made aware of this podcast now, we'll be listening to this. Oh, Tom and I listeners. have a... Yeah. Tom and Wait, I have a beautiful relationship, and I am very lucky to um, have embarked uh, on this journey this under duress. With him. And he's, he's such, and he's such a dear friend to all of us as well. Oh, yes, he is. He's a very thoughtful person. Not me. Speak yourselves. <laughs> I'll, I'll... <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks. you will have listeners. You will have listeners. Tom's mum and dad, his brother, his brother's wife. They're his all going to listen to it. Um, his brother does not have a dog. Oh, I definitely did. I definitely <laughs> saw it. That's a long Wait, what? It was like... So, basically, at school, no one could ever get Tom Appiard to be pissed off about anything because he was always the one, like, annoying people. And, you know, he was just so, like, would just take, everything was just like water off the duck's back. But I, I saw his brother walking a dog. This was, like, donkeys years ago mm-hmm. in, the, in a park near where I used to live. And I came in the next day and I was like, oh, I, saw you, I didn't realise you had a dog. And he was like, I don't. I was like, well, I saw your brother walking a dog. And it really wound him up. <laughs> <laughs> so now every like you know not every time I see him because that'd be really annoying. But every so often I just remind him that I saw his brother walking a dog. 
Um, that's nice. Um, the most I mundane. Mean, <laughs> what I think, what I think is that his brother and him always really, really wanted a dog. Um, and they never, their parents never let them have one. So what they would do is they would like play with the neighbor's dog and his and his godfather's dog and. Yeah, so I, maybe that's why I wound him up is because you pointed out that he didn't have a dog, and oh, that was a gaping right. hole in his life. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> Damn, I didn't realize there was a whole like deep story yeah. behind this. Yeah, story. there is. Oh, there is. Sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's hard to imagine this is an interesting conversation for any of your listeners who don't know Tom or me. And they're just going to be like, but wow. if the listeners are the Appleyards, then you know. That, yeah, they'll, they'll there's like a little it. insight into your son's life. Um, yeah. Back to films, though. Did uh, Obi send you the trailers? To... Um, he told me the names of the films. I have watched them. I've done my homework. Um, I have thoughts. But sure. yeah. So, Obi, do you want to talk us through the trailers you sent us and, and um, why you kind of picked those out? And you know, um, Well, to be honest, I picked them out because they were the ones that I've come across on Twitter slash when I've gone to the cinema. Um, so, I suppose the one for Soul, which is the Pixar one, I saw just before I went to see Onward. Um, okay. and I thought it was a pretty sick trailer I don't know, I just found it really interesting and one thing I didn't know was that Jamie Foxx apparently is the first um, he'll be the first person to lead to um, his character he's playing the lead character I can't remember, don't know what the guy's name is but that character is the first um, like black um, main ca- main role person in a yeah. Pixar film which I never oh, knew okay. um, right. yeah that was pretty cool and I think that one was about I don't know that seems kind of seems like it's going to get kind of deep and kind of emotional like kind of yeah like, it's like dies. <laughs> well, I yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's it's like he's in the well. What I got is he's like in the in between. Yeah. Um, where he's um like his soul is kind of what's what it's called. So he's kind of wandering around, and then he sees his body, and he's like, "How do I get back in there?" That was what I got from it. Mm. I'm presuming there's also a double meaning for soul. I presume it's like soul music as well as his yeah. kind of spirit. But yeah. Yeah. It goes into like. Sorry, no, don't worry. Christopher, are you there? What? Hello? Uh, what did, did you say? Did you watch the trailers? Have you seen the oh, trailer? I did indeed, yes. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it? I know it's only a short <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, it looked alright. I don't know what you say about Souls, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> It's like another Pixar movie, but just with a bit of a Pixar films. Are they just like out to depress people now? Because well, when I I don't know if you've all seen Onward, but yeah. that I was haven't. like a proper deep film. I was just Have you like, seen it, Glenn? Yeah. Like it? Um, I don't know really. It was really weird. Like so, Onward's about these two elf brothers, elf brothers, and their dads died, and one of them has never met the dad. And then so they find a magic spell that can bring him back for like 24 oh my hours. God. But then they only bring back his legs. Yeah. And then so they spend the rest of the film with his legs trying to find another part of the spell to get the top half. And yeah. it was just like, that, that was really. I mean, it just sounds a bit like for kids. Like, I mean, if I had to describe it in one second, like in one sentence, I'd say, you know, son never meets father. But only meets his legs missing so <laughs> mutilate so they have to look for the other half of his body so there's like a lot of mutilation involved and really just torture and all of that that sounds horrendous i'm sorry it, but it yeah it was it was strange it's really upbeat yeah 
I don't know about you, but I thought I was when I went to see it, I was watching it. The first twenty minutes, I was like, "This is kind of shit." And then as soon as they went on like the adventure, I thought it got good and it got better and better as the film went on, to the point where at the end, where he kind of spoiler alert for anyone who's going to see it, um, basically. Well, um, what was the kid's name? What was the younger one's name? Ian Callum. or something. Is it? Ian, that's the one. It was something, something really weird. Definitely doesn't look like an Ian, by the way. Yeah. But Ian, yeah, realised that his brother was like his dad his whole life kind of thing. Oh, they got me in the fields, man. Yeah, proper. Oh, no. And then like, he I don't, like, need, so I don't need to see my dad. You know, you are my dad. The fact yeah, he like, missed my out God. on his dad to let his brother um, have his last moment with him to say goodbye because he never got to say goodbye before his dad died. And that was, that when that happened. Oh, my was, God. Like, I, I can feel like I'm going to cry and I haven't even seen it. That was it, it was quite God. emotional, but the thing is, is the rest of the film was just so weird that I didn't mm. really... I think it was one of Pixar's weaker films. Um, I didn't think it was that funny. There was a lot what, of... worse than Inside Out? I quite liked Inside Out, actually. No, I thought, oh my God, that was the worst. Why? I thought it was just too sort of like, these are your emotions. This is how you deal with emotions. Actually, you need to be sad sometimes. Like, I understand that for kids, you know, I know that Pixar is genuinely aimed at kids and maybe for a kid that would make sense. But for me, I was just like, that's just so basic, you know. So it was too on the nose for you? Yeah, way too on the nose. Okay. If you're going to have a film about feelings, like at least make me work for it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I'm interested in the soul film, because I feel like there's just so much more. You know, you're bringing up all of these like mind body problems, you know, that in philosophy. I don't know if anyone studied philosophy, but. That was a big thing in philosophy, like the mind-body problem. Like, do we have a soul? Where does the mind, where does the soul and the physical world meet? Like, I'm so excited to see that. Um, I just feel like Pixar recently are just kind of just depressing people. Like, obviously, onwards about like, yeah, your dad's dead. Then you got Coco is, well, oh. everyone's dead. No, but but no, 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 no. This is the thing. I, know I don't know if you know thing. much about like Mexican culture, but the Day of the Dead. It, especially in Mexican culture, but in South American culture, is such a huge thing in that in a lot of, from like a lot of Mexican people, if someone passes, like they're not really gone, they're always there with you, and you see them every year in the Day of the Dead, and so it's just to me when I saw that I was like, oh my god, like fa- like I've never thought that Pixar would like bring such an amazing tradition to life, but also how you do, like how how they did it in such an organic way in that. You know, they showed the culture of it. And yeah, obviously they were in the underworld, but it was still so upbeat and the music was amazing. And it yeah. really brought like these, like this the whole culture to life, which I never thought you'd see that happen. Like the Mexican Day of the Dead culture is amazing. Mm. Um, and it's all about like reconnecting the idea that if someone dies, they're never really gone. Um, and I and I love that. The little boy was a prick, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's your takeaway. That's your he was a twat. I'm burnt out there. I said it when the first film came out. Because he, he stole the guitar, is that why? Yeah, man. There was three reasons that he was a twat. I can't remember any of the reasons, but he's a twat. Anyway. Okay, uh, okay. Well, maybe film, maybe he is, but I, I stand by what I said about the culture. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, and that's fair. I mean, just because, you know, it's a film about, you know, Mexican culture, it doesn't mean that people are going to be amazing. Like, everywhere, there's terrible people. I think... Um, to say what you were talking about a minute ago, Glenn, I think um, Pixar are getting better at making films that are both for adults and for kids. Yeah. Not, not for adults, but that adults can watch and stand whilst their child, yeah. children are watching. Well, there's, there's like a didactic nature to it. Always, 
haven't haven't Pixar always had like adult bits in films we just never kids? Such I, as? I, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. But I, going back through like Pixar films, when you rewatch them, you can like notice adult jokes. They've always put adult jokes in there and adult like bits. So then mm. when parents are watching it with their kids, they have a little laugh every now and again. And a kid wouldn't see it because it's like more innuendo right like, straight in their face. Right. Yeah. So they had one in like um, it's not a Pixar film, but the only example that comes straight to my head is like the Scooby Doo film. I know it's not Pixar, but but they have loads of innuendos in that film, but it's meant for kids. So I think a lot of kids' films do do that. Yeah, I think Shrek does that as well. There's a lot of like visual humor that you look and yeah. you know, there's like um, you know references to kind of uh, like far far away land or whatever, and you know you think okay, well I know what that's supposed to mean in kind of the, the real world or as kids are just going to think oh I don't know it's just colours and shit yeah so. I definitely think I appreciated Shrek a lot more as an adult than I did as a child but I think yeah like you know Pixar it's, these films are kind of I guess educating whether it's about culture with Coco or mm. loss or you know um, feelings you know they might not necessarily do them in the most um, kind of subtle way yeah. but, but you know like even Finding Dory and Nemo and stuff it's about kind of parents and losing one of them that seems to be a dead parent in these films it's just it's really sad although i mean i think it's nice that people with like kids who maybe grow up with one or no parents will finally see themselves kind of like oh this is what i went through instead of the happy organic family life that people are lucky to have but you know yeah i think also this or the onward film was quite um i guess notable for there's one line where a female police officer says um she refers to her girlfriend and her girlfriend's daughter and that made it get banned in like 10 (gasps) countries oh my god yeah ridiculous she's not even like a human female she's like a set a cyclops so you know it's Mm. i just think it's absolutely ridiculous that you know, Russia have given it an 18 certificate because it's referring to... <laughs> oh, actually, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, because it references so... kind of non-heterosexual relations. I know. I mean, just... and that's obviously, I know that that's like a, a minority of countries nowadays, but the fact that so many, like, even British or American people just will not let their kids go see this movie just because of this one line. I know. I mean, it's just, I mean... And I think I applaud these big companies for trying to make something normal appear on because t- something that's perfectly normal and part of society appear on tv um yeah. i sometimes i just wish that i think that they don't go far enough that they should actually have like a gay you know uh, a gay parent like couple raising kids i feel like that w- is what we need to see yeah well i think um one of the lead characters in the uh, is it the eternals film the marvel one coming out whenever <gasps> oh, yeah. stops i've got yeah. really fun trivia about that okay um, they were filming in Belsize Park in Hampstead, so we saw the set of it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, it was really Any cool. Spoilers? We saw the director. No, I mean, what they did is, I think, oh, this is like exclusive. Yeah, this is exclusive, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, we're um, getting exclusives now. Shit. Yeah, um, so they were filming in what we call Belsize Village, which is just like where we usually walk a dog and go get a coffee, uh, which was annoying because I couldn't get, you know, my bagel, which is super annoying, but okay. Um <laughs> So they basically kept all of the shops the same. And I could see why they used it. I think they wanted like a little quiet, picturesque little street, which is what they got. And then I think 
one of the shops they put like a nail salon over it to like pretend like it was a nail salon and they had the um character played by Gemma Chan come out and then greet Kit Harrington and Kumail Nanjiani um so I don't really know what the purpose of it was but there was definitely a nail salon and it was definitely in a little street and they're all three of them will be there at some point world exclusive it is a world exclusive yeah and uh, they all had fish and chips at uh, Bourne's Fishmongers afterwards. So wow. Oh, no free promo. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> um, Can you imagine? Oh, that would be so cool if, if it's sponsored by actually... chip shops. I would be buzzing. Um, yeah. But wasn't Gemma Chan in Captain Marvel? Was she? Oh, yeah. She played an alien. Shield. Huh? Yeah. Oh. I don't know why I thought she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I might be thinking of someone else. No. But, I don't know, is she playing a different character? I don't know. I, I, don't, I have no idea. I haven't been following the buzz around the Eternals, um, apart from Kumail Nanjani's body transformation. Um, <laughs> and obviously, what I did see She was live. in, she was in, uh, Obi's right, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Really? I don't know, I didn't watch that. I just thought she was in... I don't know. Oh, I thought she was, she was in... She was in Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, no, I knew she was in Captain Marvel. But she's a Marvel yeah. spot. Is she playing a different character? You know? Oh, no. No, no. no. They got it wrong. No, don't worry. Ignore me. You were wrong, Ops. She played Min Irva in Captain Marvel when she's playing yeah, I knew Cersei that. in the Eternals. So okay, yeah. So it's a new, it's a new character. But um, yeah, so one of the main characters in the Eternals is going to be an openly gay character, which is, I think, the first time in certainly. Oh right, Play, played by whom? I think it's Brian Tree Henry's character. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, this is just a, a question that I had for the group. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently about whether or not gay characters should only be played by gay actors, and a lot of people have been critical about not casting gay actors in gay roles. What what are your thoughts on that? It's kind of a side thing. Oof, that is a big question. Yeah, um, I've discussed this before. To be fair, as, have you? Yeah. As a straight man, I don't really feel I can necess- necessarily have a massive opinion on that. But okay. I sort of feel like it shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Um, I guess. As long as they do it in like a sensitive, you know, yeah. accurate way. Um, I don't know what people have thought of kind of Brokeback Mountain or, you know, yeah. other films where, you know, heterosexual actors have played homosexual characters. But I feel like if we are trying to make it kind of, you know, we're trying to make it mainstream and normalize it, then you may have to use actors high profile actors who might not themselves be right right i mean i don't know i mean i mean like that's i i guess i yeah i agree my other thought about that is like because you you have gay actors you know neil patrick harris jim parsons who play straight characters you know so Mm. i mean at that point would you confine them to only playing you know gay roles they don't want that no one wants that so i don't think that that should yeah Sorry. Chris? Oh, Chris. Um, no, you carry on, you carry on, you carry on. No, 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 I was done, I was done. Well, I was going to say, like, they are actors at the end of the day, portraying several different roles. 
So I think everyone should be able to play whatever role. But I think maybe if the opportunity is available for someone who is homosexual, then maybe yeah. they should play the role, maybe, in order to... Mm. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just going to want the better actress. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, you also don't want to be typecast just because you're gay. It's true. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Sorry about that. I think it's different. I think it's different with. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I think it's different with race. Yeah, Obviously, like you know, Scarlett like... Johansson playing um, an Asian character should. Oh, no, 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 no. The race thing is a completely different character. thing. She's what? Sorry? To play a transgender character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when she said that she should be able to play a tree if she wanted to. <laughs> well, Vin yeah. Diesel's playing a tree, so. Oh. Yeah, that's didn't she? True. Didn't she technically play like a tree in uh, Lucy when she turned into that funky oh. thing at the end? Oh man! Don't 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 talk about that film. <laughs> that film was actually one of the weirdest, most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know where to begin with that film. I hate that film. <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Did you include it in your worst films of the decade, Obi? You didn't, but now I'm literally thinking now I probably should have. You know, oh. I don't know. Your 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 five were pretty shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are some terrible That's films in the last decade. Awesome, if you want to hear my, oh, I, I'd have to think about it. No, I'm sorry, I have to think about it. Okay. There's so many. There's so many bad films in the past decade that I have a. It's very selective. Well, what's the I first just... one that pops into your mind? Christmas. That's the thing. I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes I'm inclined to say the twi- the the first Twilight, but then I think I loved those films. Um, when I was growing up, so I can't say that. That was a really terrible it's, film. The, the the correct answer is one of the Transformers or Pirates of the Caribbean films. Okay, so I didn't see. I've seen like one Transformer film because I just I just did. I could not be bothered with that shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, no, that's completely fair. Uh, I see. I think it's like the first one or something. Um, the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I didn't mind the first one. The first one was alright. And then the other ones got really weird. Terrible. I don't really remember them. That's I think they're forgettable. Yeah. Do they make no, I don't know. Um going back to the trailers, uh Candyman. So this is a Jordan Peele produced remake of the classic nineties film Candyman. Say my name. Alright, Destiny's Child. Um so <laughs> Actually, a clip of you saying say my name on, this, on one of these episodes, Glenn. Oh, is there? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, all royalties go to Beyonce and whoever the other two were. Um, oh, Ellie and Michelle, have some respect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. fit a nerve there, aren't I? Um, yeah, so Candyman, what, what did we think of this? Um, you know, from a horror point of view, from a Jordan Peele producing point of view. I want I want to reiterate that he's producing it because I think there was a lot of people miss a lot of misconception that he was directing it and therefore the director herself wasn't really getting any credit mm. for it. But right. Sorry, I... asking. Oh, I thought you were asking someone specifically. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. O- open question. Open question. No, go on, Obi. You have my thoughts. I was going to say for me. Um, obviously, like, I don't like, I notoriously don't like horror films, but I actually didn't think the trailer was that, that scary. 
I don't know if, if anyone else agrees. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that scary. But it gave me intense Jordan Peele vibes before I even knew that that was a Jordan Peele film. Mm. Like as soon as that trailer, actually, the first person to send me that trailer wasn't you guys. It was Tom. Um, and as and I I was pretty sure that this. I was like, oh, I didn't hear that Jordan Peele was making a new film. Absolutely, I love Jordan Peele. But it mm. gave me Jordan Peele vibes in the in the way that it's not overtly scary, like with Get Out and Us normal film pretty normal day um and then it's more like the message behind it that is what terrifies people um and because but not like outright scary okay i don't know i don't know maybe i don't get scared in the same way you do i'm a pussy to be fair how are you that's Mm. that's cute (laughs) well i'll be honest i did not like the original so if it's anything like that I probably won't like this. Fair what, I haven't seen the original. What's what's it sort of about? What's the yeah, I have no idea. Literally the same premise as what he's doing. I'm pretty sure. I was, re- I was pretty young when I watched it, so it did scare the shit out of me. So, uh, <laughs> and there was a, I think there was something like took over some guy's face or something in it. It was like... You could see... Is this not a continuation? No, I, I have no idea. I'm I don't know. But so it's basically what, like you say Candyman a couple of times into a mirror and then what, someone comes and kills you or something. Is that right? Is that the gist? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I don't know if it's the same premise because in the other one, I think someone's like investigating it. And I, is that the same as this? Is someone investigating it? Or is it just happening to loads of people that are doing it and then isn't someone getting coerced into it in this in this trailer? It's like the the guy for photographing and um, what's his name? Yah 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 Abdul Mateen is the the actor who's playing it. He was black man. Like similar route, but slightly like a different version of it. So while getting the others kind of investigating, but like going further into the rabbit hole, maybe I don't know. Yeah, apparently this is a spiritual sequel to the first one. I don't know what that means. Spiritual sequel. Okay. So basically, mm. they're saying any other sequel after the first one was shit, and they're discounting it then. <laughs> oh shit! Bad. I didn't. I didn't realize there's four. There's three. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> I saw the original. That's what I know. I think that's what I always say about Hollywood: is that like one thing kind of works, and then they'll just keep doing it and redoing it and redoing it. Yeah. Take a hint. <laughs> yeah, there's not tons of originality anymore. No, like, what is up with those like? Oh god, I can't stand those films—the Fast and Furious ones. Like, what the hell? Why are they still going? Don't do that! Don't do that! I love those. They're so shit. (laughs) They're horrible. They just get faster and more furious. Do you remember the one with in Rio that was set in Rio? Yes, was that number five, six, or seven? Yeah, it was like five—the one with the rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm from Brazil. And that film just really portrayed Brazil as if it's, like, some kind of weird, lawless, like, the police are just aren't around, like, horrendous country where, you know, you can just do whatever you want and get away with it. And then they just blew up and destroyed Rio. And I don't know, I just found that a bit, like, well, I found that personally offensive as a Brazilian person because, yeah, it was kind of true, but, you know, you don't have to make it that obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're Brazilian, you must have seen... Um... City of God. City of God. Yes, I knew oh, you were going to say that. <laughs> love that film. So good. 
I don't know how, I don't, how, how authentic. talked about was the cinema. The first thing he goes, City of God. Yeah. I, City of God was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Um, I don't know if you know uh, that that director, um, Fernando Meirelles, um, he's done some amazing work. You should watch his films because he's also gone to like, Hollywood and done Hollywood films. Um, okay. But um, City of God, I don't know if you know this, but um, the kids in the film. Um, oh, hi, Tom. Tom is here. Hi, Tom. <laughs> They're saying hi. Okay, you can go now. He doesn't want to be on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I was saying about um, City of God. Oh, God, he's getting naked. (laughs) Oh, dear. We did not need to know that. Thank you. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, He's just getting changed. Um, I was going to say about City of God, the kids that they used in that production, they were all like actual residents of that slum. Okay. They weren't actors. So how kind of, how much of an authentic picture of Brazil does it so capture? The thing, the thing with them, um, so, so obviously it's a very, it's a very specific type of, part. stop it. Sorry, Tom just threw something at me. Um, <laughs> don't worry. I, I'm sorry about him. He's just, he just wants to see me fail. Um, uh, so it's a very specific picture of like, of, part of the population which is the people that live in absolute poverty in slums mm-hmm. um so obviously not all of brazil is a gigantic slum contrary to popular belief yeah like we do have like buildings and, and and nice things as well uh sadly there's a massive inequality in brazil so you've got like the really rich and then the really poor um that slum is a real slum in rio and it's still going and it's one of the few slums that is completely um how do you say is completely flat as in it's not a built up a mountain um so the dynamics in there are are very different um in that you know it's it feels a little bit less crowded um I thought it was um as someone obviously I've never lived in a slum I've been to a million of them you know I think people a lot of people do like those like slum tourism tours which are ridiculous but you know in Brazil sometimes you just got to get somewhere and you go through a slum sometimes and that happens Mm -hmm. um also we'll call them favelas by the way so I thought it was a really really beautiful it's almost like a it was almost like a love story to the people of that like favela in a way in that it it never at one it never at any point said or put you know other people in like a position where oh we are better than them and it never looked down on it Mm -hmm. it pretty much just told it how it is which is that sadly um people don't when you grow up in that lifestyle you don't have a choice sometimes but to join the drug trade and the arms trade because that's the only way you can survive and provide for your family because that's just how it is um but it, it did so in such a funny way um that you wouldn't you it's actually a really really almost difficult film to watch but it's really funny at the same time um and I think the way he managed to do that was by actually getting these kids who were literally you know just do, going about their business you know playing in the street and he was like do you want to be in this film yeah. Um, not all the kids, some of the, so the older main characters, they were actual actors, but, um, the kids, a lot of the kids were just like thinking about, yeah, um, I, just, and, yeah. I think there was like an authenticness to it. Like it, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I really enjoy, I've seen it loads of times. So yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, I find, oh yeah, I find it interesting. Sorry, I've got to go. Oh. So have a, have a good rest of the pod and speak. Oh. No, thanks for coming on. All right, oh, thank Chris. you. See you in a bit. Hey, um, I just like the way the director uses Rocket as 
kind of like a narrator and it jumps yeah. between like you know different points of view yeah, sometimes yeah. sometimes at the same event like you, you kind of you get to like the point where when they're kids um they've just busted that kind of motel and then mm-hmm. kind of see it from little zay's point of view <laughs> a little bit later yeah. in the film yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, and sorry, it's just funny that you say their names like Lil Zay and Rocket, which like to me, like I have I have no idea what you're talking about until I had to think about it because obviously I've seen it in Portuguese oh. without subtitles and then oh, yeah. I just think of it with their actual names. But yeah, oh, no, God. no, no. I would, it's, it's... I would absolutely murder a Portuguese pronunciation. Oh. No, that was fine, Lil Zay. Yeah, Zay. <laughs> and the only it's other Brazilian Zay. film I've seen is Bus One Seven Four, which was really good. I've not seen that. Oh, it's about I think it's based on a real event of someone hijacking a bus in rio um, oh right well that that may as well happen because that happens like i'm not joking like every other day so um <laughs> it enough. might not yeah there's another good brazilian film which is called karen duro which i'll have to spell out to you because that would make no sense to you which is the name of a giant prison in brazil and that was like um in like the early 2000s it was like a massive prison riot and like hundreds of people died in it and the film's really good okay, um i'll just well, it's spelled like C-A-R-A-N-D-I-R-U. And it's just the name of the prison. Oh, okay. uh, And it was like a notorious incident in Brazil. So if you like, if you clearly like depressing things. Um, so yeah, I think, you should watch I think, that. <laughs> I think Obi would agree with that, right? About watching depressing stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, you would like that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, a lot of Brazilian films are just really depressing. And I don't know why. Uh, maybe because they just, I don't know. Brazil is a happy country, but the films that we produce are just all really depressing. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I don't know if you know, but um, the film Blindness, that was directed by Nando Meirelles and it's really good. Okay. I don't think I've seen that one. It's the, it stars like Mark Ruffalo and... Oh God, what is... Ah. Uh, uh... She was in, she's got red hair. Oh my God. Julianne Moore. Thank you. Oh, okay. um, and it's based on like a book where everyone in society goes blind. Um, and then like, um, uh, so basically just like, basically what's happening right now with coronavirus, just a pandemic and Susan, and everyone's like rioting and going crazy. And it's been interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, We've got two more trailers that Obi mm-hmm. sent through. One of which I didn't bother to finish because it just really did not interest me. That was which Artemis one is Fowl. it? I, bet I know which one it is. Which one is it? Artemis Fowl. Oh it. my god! Don't the get reason, me started on that. I was the so reason, confused. The reason I put it in there because I was because I said this is shit, so I want you guys to watch it as well. <laughs> oh my! Oh, <laughs> well, th- thanks for telling me that because I thought you were like genuinely interested in it, and I was just like, this looks horrendous. Like at one point, I'm still gonna I mean, watch it. But it looks terrible. It, it but th- I mean, the trailer itself was took me on a journey where yeah. I thought, oh, it's just about this kid and his dad's been framed for something. Oh wait, no, now his dad's in a dungeon. Oh wait, no, his dad is some kind of Kingsman guy and there's a bunch of guns and he's going to be introduced to this world. Oh wait, now now they're, they're in the underworld full of goblins and a Hagrid character and they're going on a quest. I just I just did not know what was happening. It it just did not interest me in the slightest. It was sort of like it's like a young Lara Croft meets Harry Potter meets Oh my god. <laughs> you know, it gave me it gave me some yeah, it gave me some like at the beginning when he goes into that thing and there's all those guns or whatever they were. 
Um, and the guy's like, your father was part of this business, blah, blah, blah. Gives me some Kingsman vibes. Yeah. Just like, and then also like the cinematography and stuff did as well. But um, no, I will not be watching that, Obi. No, this what, is what I'm saying. So my, why did you my, think it was so po- shit? So I just think so. I read one of the books. It's based on books. Um, as a child, I read it and I enjoyed it. So I thought, okay, maybe when they bring this out, it'll be good. But I won't tell you why I think it's shit because it's pretty obvious why it's shit. It's just terrible. But <laughs> um, my point was to ask the question: Is this why um, Hollywood keeps making? Um, reboots and sequels because when they try and do stuff like this it looks fucking shit <laughs> just put it out there I, I think that to... you've got it like spot on I don't know I just think they need to choose the material better rather than being like hey let's just pick a book off the shelf and make that like they need to read the book and think is this gonna work in this format like you know they can look at films like I don't know, Valerian, which has got a similar kind of... Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, whereas, like, loads of random shit just keeps happening. But, you know, it reminded me of that film, actually. It reminded me of Valerian. Yeah, and they could have looked at that and seen how that almost busts the company that released it and just think, maybe we shouldn't do that. You know. I don't know. Do you think, um, in terms of, like, writing or adapting it to a script, do you think it would help to have someone on there who, like, had read the books prior or like in their childhood kind of thing and like actually kind of like grew up with the characters if that makes sense i think so because we've said similar things about the latter couple of series of game of thrones is like there's a clear deviation from the narrative from the books which was to its detriment so i feel like i'm the only person who hasn't seen game of thrones oh my god yeah you need to no i don't it just doesn't interest me what's the first six seasons anyway yeah, six seasons. That's not a lot. There's eight, but wait, watch six. It's yeah, gripping. I know, but like, I don't know, like, I don't know. Tom and I keep thinking about maybe we should start it. I don't know. Well, there's no football anymore, so he's got a lot of time on his hands. This is true. Mm. Well, this is good. This is anyway. Fine. The summary is that that film sounds looks horrendous, and I don't know why they think that they should do stuff like that. <laughs> I also just I'm sick of seeing like young teenagers as lead characters just i'm not interested in watching that yeah but you're just a grinch though well you don't like the look of the film either <laughs> yeah but i i <laughs> you're right <laughs> but i have like other like you know like that teen shit that's, that's my that's my bag man you know i like that stuff maybe like older teen but like yeah older teens yeah. did you ever see that film the kid who could be king or something yeah no. did you that see was it? shocking that was terrible you i thought you would hate it <laughs> yeah i turned it off yeah, I'm not surprised. That film was tourist crap as well. <laughs> yeah, because the kid, the main character is about twelve years old. He's just... was, that, was that Disney as well? Mm, I don't think so. But and then there was saw a trailer for like the Secret Garden, which again just did not interest me. You know. Well, the Secret Garden is is a classic. That's quite an old film. Yeah, my sisters yeah. love. Love yeah, it. but also, but like the book as well. I mean, for some for certain things, you have to have a kid be the main character. Like if you think about um, okay, well now I've just blanked. I can't think of a single kid main character if thing. they're precocious like the like the girl in hit girl in kick ass where she's like oh i don't like killing her. people oh. then you know i'm up for that i don't but, like i don't like kick ass that says more about you than it does about other things they bitch and moan you just like profanity make stupid decisions that i'm not with it 
Um, I don't. I don't like Kickass. I didn't find it funny or uh, entertaining. There's a lot of things that I don't find funny and entertaining. I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of things, guys. That's why I have very specific taste. Remind after we talk about this. Remind me to remind us to talk about the Oscars because I know Julia's ready. Oh my comp- god, I have so many at the bit. No, but you guys <laughs> okay. have probably already done an episode on this. It's fine. We could we could get your opinions, but let's no. just talk lastly about Greyhound, which was the last trailer you sent through, which yes, is Tom Hanks on a boat. I was going to say off the bat, I thought this looked really boring. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Um, and I'm disappointed because obviously Tom Hanks is in Saving Private Ryan, which is like up there for me in terms of like war films. So I thought, okay, this is another war film. Tom I Hanks is going to be good. I never saw Bridge of Spies there's before. There's something inherently oh, boring. Oh, Bridge of Spies is so about, good. There's something inherently boring about boat movies. Mm. Like, I think, to caveat that, I thought Captain Phillips was good. But this is just boats in the sea shooting at each other. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're quite similar. You got that one that Gerard Butler was in a couple of years ago, like Hunter. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, you, know, it's, you know what I think? I think that it's not really going to be about the actual... Obviously, it's going to be all the exposure stuff like that, but then it's going to be like a sort of Moby Dick type thing where it's the, the struggle of the man, you know, and his internal struggle of like, am I a good enough captain for this? And I'm going to keep these my men together kind of thing. It's not going to be super boring, but I feel like that's what they're trying to get at. But that's, that's what I got the narrative for all of these films because when you're on a stuck on a confined space like a boat, there is very little that you can actually do. So it's always going to be, oh, am I doing the right thing? Oh, I've got to save the lives of the many against the lives of the few, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've seen that millions of times. I just don't know. This is all... I just don't see why this film's being made. But when I saw that trailer, I was like, I've seen the entire film in this trailer yeah. like it well, one it's really long but also i saw about 10 different explosions and things like that within it and i just kind of miss old trailers you know like when i was a kid and you go to the cinema and it'd be like the guy with the voice like in a world and then <laughs> then then and then like images play you know like little snippets and then there's some words in the screen i miss those trailers nowadays the trailers are like a whole production in themselves yes I and agree. i don't i don't i don't know if you've discussed yeah, this yeah, just- yeah, I think the biggest um, case of that was the Hobson Shaw trailer. The first trailer was about three and a half minutes long and oh showed you everything, like yeah, all the much. key action scenes. And ones that, that weren't included in the first trailer were included in the second trailer. So you just put well, those I mean, six minutes together and you've seen the I, film. I don't I don't know why. Um, they're just so long. And I don't know. I just miss old trailers is my point with this. And I felt like I'd seen the entire film in that trailer like it doesn't it didn't make me want to go see the film at all because i just be like okay well this is going to be that for what like two hours of just yeah. ocean and i'm going to be really seasick by the end of it yeah yeah I agree. which does happen when you watch boat films sometimes true and that might be the kind of desired outcome of yeah some, it might be it might but, be no it's but. the artistic sort of thing yeah I don't, it doesn't interest me like there was even like a couple years ago that woman, that girl, um, Shailene Woodley and uh, Sam, is it Clackman? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, there was that film about like a couple that like their boat capsizes in like they're just like off the coast of like Tahiti or something, um, and it didn't make me want to watch it at all because it's just gonna be them like fighting for survival. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not interested in that. Um, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the Oscars. Then what? What's what was Not the? Yeah, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I just feel like I'm, 
overall. Okay, do you want to know about the Oscars ceremony or just the Oscars choices? All of it. All of it. Okay. The ceremony is just so long and boring. Like, <laughs> I just feel like they, now they've stuck with this no host thing for some reason and they're just going with it. Julia, and, Julia, sorry, quickly. Yeah. Do, you, do you watch the whole thing? Yeah, I watch the whole thing. I take what? a day off. Oh my God. It's the next day and I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, I've been doing this since I was 13. I've been watching the Oscars every year. And I just don't, I, I just, I would stay up and I'd watch the ceremony. And it was just, because to me, it was just like the coolest thing in the world. And it's just become a habit of mine. Okay, fair um. enough. But yeah, I do watch the whole thing. And I did feel like towards the end of it, I was like, you know, can we just like wrap this up? Um, I feel like it, it did lack the sort of showmanship of a host that could kind of keep it going. Um, mm. What they did instead is they had actors introducing actors, introducing presenters. So at one point they had this one young actor introducing Lin-Manuel Miranda, who would then introduce Eminem's performance. Um, so it was like this loophole of people introducing people. Uh, just too much people, really. And <laughs> just, yeah. So you had some cool presenters, like, you know, like they had Keanu Reeves. I love Keanu Reeves. My love for Keanu Reeves runs deep. Um, uh, so they had some cool presenters and stuff like that. But overall, it was just like, I just feel like the ceremonies are getting so up- outdated. Um, you know, I don't think it's even fun for anyone in, in the, the audience even. I don't think anyone was laughing. I feel like they just wanted to get to their category because you're really nervous probably if you're sitting there. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you're thinking, like, am I going to win? So- um, obviously, Sorry. No, I'm probably jumping ahead a bit here, but I was just going to say what would make it, as someone who's viewed it for the last nine years, what could they do to make it more interesting? Is it shortening it? Is it, you know, what what can they do for a modern audience to make people... I feel like they just try so hard Um, nowadays. Like, the jokes are forced. Um, It's just they try so hard to, like, basically just... I mean, without saying this in a disgusting way, but, like, just basically just suck each other's dick um and just be like oh my god this is my friend he's amazing um like oh I, I love you so much like you've made this film what it is and they just like want to make all the actors feel like even better about themselves um and it just kind of I'm just kind of tired of that to be honest um so which is one of the reasons why I like Ricky Gervais hosting stuff is just because he does not care um yeah. and I find him hilarious but also what they lack is they lack a host who's funny who isn't going to sit there and just, you know, you know, just um, sort of get the ceremony going and make these stupid jokes and do like little bits, but someone who actually gets people going. So one of the things, one of the best hosts I ever saw was Steve Martin, um, who actually presented alongside Chris Rock this time. And I thought he was an amazing host. Him and Alec Baldwin hosted. Chris Rock hosting was really funny as well. Um, I feel like you do need a host. Um, not like it to do like cheesy stuff, not like when Neil Patrick Harris did it, that was disgusting. But just like just someone who has got it and someone who isn't gonna make it feel like you just wanna leave. Because that's what it felt like. I just wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But I couldn't bring myself to not. What about it. if they um mixed the Razzies in with it as well? So you got like the Oscar for best picture and then the Razzie for worst picture, and then they Would could it- like I mean, that. what did I just say about them sucking each other's dicks? Like, that is literally all they do. They just want to feel good about themselves. You can't just make them do shit about themselves. That's not how it works in Hollywood, Glenn. Well, my version in of Hollywood, Hollywood be a lot more you cynical. gotta. 
Well, in ho- yes, but that that's my point. Hollywood is it's Hollywood. It's Tinseltown. They want to feel amazing about themselves, and they want to walk around in like gowns that cost like a hundred grand each. So I'm very conflicted about the Oscars because it's not sustainable and it's too much opulence. But at the same time, I love it. <laughs> so I have a lot Elitism, of conflicting but you love it. thoughts. Yes, I have a lot of conflicting thoughts. Okay. Well, what about and, the actual choices themselves? Oh, the right. Yeah. The actual, the, the actual stuff. Um, so, uh, obviously, there was a huge lack of diversity. Um, mm. There was like one in the acting categories, there was one non white nominee, which was Cynthia Erivo. Yeah. Um, she didn't win. Um, so, yeah, there's obviously the lack of diversity, um, which is an issue that thought was getting better but then somehow got worse again over time yeah um so there was the lack of that uh i thought i mean it was obvious that joaquin phoenix was going to win and that renee zellweger was going to win and laura dern was going to win and who won who won best supporting actor i'll ask you a question quickly sorry yeah oh right yeah yeah sorry laura dern um Mm -hmm. she won for matt did you watch marriage story yeah i did have you watched little women I have not. No, okay. I'm just reminding okay, myself that I need to see it. Okay, because I feel like she didn't deserve uh, an Oscar for for a Marriage Story, but I thought she was much better in Little Women. And if they give an Oscar well, for that, I would have thought that was more deserved. Well, the thing with the um, Marriage Story is that I did find that I love Laura Dorn; she's a great performer. But I thought that her character, like compared to, for example, Adam Driver's performance and Scarlett Johansson's performance, I thought she fell short. Uh, so I was I actually surprised that she was getting that much hype mm-hmm. um but um yeah but essentially yeah um so i was a surprise when they all won brad pitt i mean he did a good performance it was nothing out of the ordinary there weren't oh my dog just walked in um there weren't any um performances where i thought wow that was that changed the game maybe Joaquin phoenix but we all everyone that plays the joker wins an oscar essentially oh, yeah. like there isn't like any other way to put this um People love the character of the Joker, um, yeah. which is, you know, just just show like how a good character and a, and good writing changes everything. Um, but yeah, so the acting categories, I wasn't surprised with. I was surprised with Paradise, uh, Parasites win, which yeah. I was full fully expecting 1917 to take Best Picture and Best Director for some Mendes. So that was a huge surprise for me. And a good one at that, because I have been saying this for ages, is that people need to, to go and branch out and watch foreign language films and watch films from other countries. Because you're like, there's just a world of films that people haven't seen yet. So, for example, you were talking about City of God, um, which is amazing. But there's just so many more Brazilian films and there's so many more Italian films and French films and Austrian films or whatever you have it and Korean films and Japanese films, and people just have been so closed off to them. Um, because it, it's like Bong Joon-ho said, you know, that the subtitles scare people away immediately. So the fact that Parasite, which is a film that is entirely Korean, and it's about Korean culture and Korean society, like has won it, to me was amazing. Um, and I'm hoping that this means that, I mean, I don't know if this is like wishful thinking, but that more foreign language films will start getting recognized. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was a pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. I think, I feel like 1917 
it's a sort of Oscar bait film. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, we did it in one continuous shot. Oh, it's about the first, you know, the Second World War. No, First World War. Yeah. It's, you know, British kind of really yeah. revered British director. It's going to win. And to be honest, like, it was a good film, but I don't know. I feel like there was a freshness about Parasite and like a the dark, twisted humour. Um, and you didn't really know where it was going. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think it was deserved. Yeah. But also with that Oscar rate films, like it falls along the lines of Saving Private Ryan and um, Dunkirk and those films. Like they are, sometimes you make films thinking, am I going to win an Oscar with this? And you don't think, you know, they'll, they'll obviously say, oh, I don't, I would never think that. But they do when they're writing the film, don't they? Yeah. Like, and you can tell that some certain films are particularly made with, I'm going to win a film. And a perfect example of that was in, I think it was 97, 98, when um, uh, Roberto Benigni won for um, Life is Beautiful um, in Italy. I mean, everyone in America loved that film, but in Italy, it's just an Italian film, by the way. Um, we were all sort of like, oh, I mean, I mean, not we, because I was a baby. But um, <laughs> we in Italy, people considered it a kind of like, oh, he just tried so hard to win an Oscar kind of thing, and then he did it. It was such an Oscar-bait film. It's a good film, but it is an Oscar-bait film. And a lot of those films are, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say that question. about. Um, sorry. Yeah. Can I ask a question. What constitutes as Oscar bait for you? Um. So films that are one really depressing. Um. <laughs> you know, so the English Patient. You know, like those films. Um. They like. They they always win. Depressing, sad films always win. Films that will take you on a journey in that it's depressing and then the end of it is usually optimistic. You know, think of like Saving Private Ryan. That was a horrendous film. I mean, it was an amazing film, but the whole (laughs) bit of it was horrendous because, you know, it's just everyone's dying. And then in the end, you know, you know, spoiler alert, they saved Private Ryan. (laughs) But then Tom Hanks, I'm sorry if you haven't seen this film, but then Tom Hanks dies and and then the end of it is like him looking over the grave of Tom Hanks, who saved him, Matt, um, the Matt Damon character, like when he's old. So it's these films that sort of like tug at the heartstrings, but that you can tell that they were thinking, hmm, this scene, what's going to win me the most awards? Like, how am I going to make this uh, critic worthy? Or like, how am I going to get my fellow Academy voters to really want to vote for this film? Yeah. So it's like those kinds of films. Also, um, to another yeah. extent, You've got the ones where it's like either a, a career comeback for a director or an actor, Ooh, yeah. or you've got they're playing a real person, or you've got something that just celebrates Hollywood and or Americanism and or oh, capitalism. Yeah. So oh, like, they love that. Obviously, once upon a time in Hollywood, it's like, hey, Hollywood's great because it's American and it's such an American institution. We've got these really great American actors and I'm a really good American director, so give me an Oscar. Also, like Jojo Rabbit, like, hey, the Nazis were terrible, weren't they? And do you know who beat them? America. So, you know, that's all those films. I don't films. think that that's what Jojo Rabbit was about. Uh, but Sorry. we know, like, Nazism, you know, anything like that. I'm just kind of Sorry, conflating. I'm just saying. I'm conflating a I'm lot saying. of things. But, yeah. No, no, no. I, so, like, taking I completely the piss agree out with you. Taking the piss out of Hitler. Taking the piss out of Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I just didn't think, like, I didn't see a lot of Americanism in Jojo Rabbit. Maybe oh, I missed it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's, right, that's right, Julia. Call him out of shit. Call, out, call me out. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, Sorry, no. Yeah. No, no, no. But I do agree with you, Glenn. It is It is very much that. And also, if we're going to get down to the politics of it, I've done a lot of research into how do you get an Oscar and who votes and things like that. It is sadly a lot about the money. 
And it is about what production companies are filmed behind. Who are they bribing to vote for you? And that's what it used to be. A lot that now, obviously, they're under a lot of scrutiny, and it's not as much like that anymore. But you know, if you were in a Weinstein film when you were a, an up and coming director or actor or whatever, you were pretty much guaranteed the big awards. Like if you were in a Miramax film, my God, that was just it for you. So it's all about. There was a huge like politics involved in it, and I mean, I'm sorry, but that's like a whole other episode. I think it would be get a, into about the whole sort of what behind the scenes of voting. I think that'd be really interesting because I don't know much about that at all. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. Um, yeah, no, I I could I I mean I could recommend some good like um resources for it, but really um, there's so much that goes beyond that. You used to think like oh like what an amazing achievement, but if you look back on a lot of the greatest wins of Oscar history, like who was behind it? You know, I don't know if you know this, but they send each other like gifts and stuff. Um, oh okay. Yeah, they do. It's 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 um it's pretty intense. Um, yeah, no, it's a whole. They do like a whole campaign behind their actors, like vote for this person, and they'll send like a bunch of gift baskets and this and that. And then there's the more like darker side of it when you've got like Weinstein like intimidating his fellow voters, being like vote for this actress, blah blah blah. Mm. Yeah, no, there's a lot that 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 you don't that you don't see. Well, Weinstein's got his comeuppance. Twenty three years in jail, probably. Yeah, not long no, enough, well, but still. But he will. He, the thing with that is that I mean, he will die in prison. Like, there's no. He's so ill, you know. He'll never see the light of day. Is my point. How long? It's not nearly a, enough. How long before there's a film about that? Do you think? Oh, a film about the Me That's Too movement. I think it'll be called Me Too. Mm. No, it will be called Catch and Kill, which is Ronan Farrow's yeah, um, book. I don't know. Old show is kind of like a Me Too ish. Kind yeah. Of so they're yeah. already on that, those lines. I reckon yeah, one but specifically it about Weinstein. Yeah, no, no, no. I get what you're saying. Like one specifically about the women that were intimidated by Weinstein, oh. and also the army of men that protected Weinstein for so long. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just a film about the institution. I mean, it would if you did it right and like really and tastefully, it would be a really good film. Um, and it would be a bit weird because then can I can you imagine like having like Nicole like uh, Greta Paltrow playing herself or something? Because she, yeah. she's been a victim of Weinstein. So that would be the thing, though, right? Yeah, definitely. It would be a real, like, yeah. fuck you to, to Weinstein. It would be, like, a really, like, meta film, wouldn't it? Do you know what would be even more meta? Because I think Miramax is now owned by Bein Media Group. So mm. if Miramax funded that film... Wow. Wow. And do you know what? Intense. They could call Tarantino out on it as well, because I'm sure he's got a lot of... Uh, oh, yeah. Wasn't he friends with him? Yeah, best mates. He's produced like his first eight films or something. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But so many of the guys that protected Wayne for so long are like in the audiences at this very moment, and you can tell that they've got like their tail between their legs, and they're not going to say anything. Yeah. Um, you know, like they're they're like, oh, I hope I don't get called out. I hope I don't get called out. You can tell that they're like sweating because <laughs> they know what they've done. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, no, Hollywood is a horrible place to be. It used to be like, oh, a tinsel town, but I think people it's really opened people's eyes to just how horrible it is. Were there any um, other particular points about the Oscars that you wanted to mention? Like, were there, were there any omissions, like people or films that should have got uh, nominated but didn't, or, you know, winners undeservedly? Um, or... You know what? Um, just a couple of things. So I saw um, Booksmart, um and I, I thought that could have at least been like, did it get nominated for anything? I don't think uh, so. Right. I thought it, for screenplay, um, 
it definitely deserved something for like screenplay. I thought it was really, really, it was, it was so funny, but also so real. Um, and the characters are really good. Also, um, Jordan Peele's Us. Did it get nominated for anything? I don't think so. What would so you nominate that Us was for? so good. Um, screenplay. Mm. I didn't mind. I liked Us. I didn't think it was. I think coming off to Get Out, I think, I think he's a vi- he's a really? victim of his own success. Really. No, that's true because now people see him as some kind of American genius, um, yeah. which, full disclosure, I think he is. And the fact that he's married to the lady who plays Gina Linetti, like, come on, like, yeah. you can't yeah. get anything <laughs> better than that. <laughs> um, um, like just two American minds put together. If you oh, also you should listen to her podcast. She is actually just as insane as Gina is. I feel like she just plays herself. I was going to say, oh. that's surprising. Yeah, she plays herself, and they have a son called Gino. Like, can you believe that? Gino. <laughs> Gino um no but you should listen to like chelsea peretti she just plays herself like and um i can see that they're married because also key and peel is one of the funniest things yeah. you can watch out there um oh. so um but i did feel that this is controversial but i thought that get that us was you know at almost at the same level as get out in terms of just how much it blew my mind oh really okay but did you not the end did you see that coming because i didn't no I, f- I feel like i don't know maybe i did have higher expectations because of get out so it's mm. quite tough to kind of be really objective because i was thinking oh you know director of get out it's another kind of horror film um blah 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 like so i think maybe i went into it thinking mm. whereas i went into get out thinking i have no idea what this is going to be like yeah and i was no. like, really kind of surprised it was us i probably had like elevated expectations no i i, I totally, really I totally it, get but... that no i did as well i mean i'm not i say that because my favorite category is the screenplay category um yeah. that's my favorite I, I know controversial i mean no one would ever say that like obviously everyone waits for the best picture in acting but no my favorite category is the screenplay one um and i just i thought that the screenplay was great um even just the small things like the dialogue between the mom and the dad and the kid I was going to say, um, I think um, Lupita Nyong'o should have got a nomination. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's, but, that, yeah. that's a nomination, I think. Yeah, Lupita Nyong'o was really good in that film. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, all films are getting postponed now. Like, I was so pumped for A Quiet yes. Place 2, and now it's not coming out. And, uh, yeah, that was something I wanted to mention, actually. So, obviously, there's quite a few films have been postponed to A Quiet Place 2, Fast and Furious Nine has been delayed for a year. Um, they've like no one cares, but Peter Rabbit's sequel that's been pushed back. Um, oh, I didn't even know that was happening. Yeah, amongst others, I think Mulan's been delayed a little bit. Yeah, Mulan. Um, yeah, and Mulan so, has. Which I'm really upset about. So, what do we think about this? Because I I'm worried. Well, I guess slightly like it's a bit over dramatic, but I'm worried that like if all films or most films are being pushed back, are there even going to be are cinemas going to be able to survive financially? until these films are released because if there's like oh, barely no. anything to show for six months then you know or if people are told not to go to the cinema or public places then you know all these films are like okay we'll release it in a year but you might be like okay well half the cinemas have shut down yeah well with that i mean if you're part of a big chain of cinemas like a view or a um what's it called um odeon like you'll be fine because you've got the um i mean not fine but you've got the corporation backing you and like bailing you out but for example, I like to go to um, Curzon and the Everyman, and those ones are like like standing on their last legs, essentially. 
they're not going to survive. I can definitely see a lot of them closing down. I don't, I think that it, for, well, for any small business, but for cinemas, uh, independent cinemas are going to be really badly affected by this. Mm. I think it's, I think it's a shame, a real shame, because, yeah, like you said, like but the Curzons and, and the, the Everyman, they're not necessarily showing all of the big pick, you know, the big blockbusters. They're showing the indie flicks or Cur- mm, Curzons. They are. Is. Um, I mean, they do show, they do show some big ones, but, but, um, but, you know, like, so like, my first choice of cinema because it's just nearest to me like I would go to an everyman all the time I also parasite and every man and things like that but um I think with the problem with that is that also like obviously they're postponing it a they want to make money like let's face it that is the main reason but yeah. b because <laughs> everything's shutting down and they're telling people not to be together and it should and cinema is a collective experience in a way so yeah it's yeah true. No, I mean, I, I I don't see another way around it, though. It's a tough one. I don't know. I just think maybe a film will be released, you know, maybe a film won't get pushed back and then it might make loads of money because it's the only thing on. Or <laughs> yeah, that's I think true. One of them's got to be the kind of litmus test of being brave enough to not postpone their release. Um, yeah. And then see whether it fails or not. Because they can always re-release it. You know, Avatar gets re-released every few years just to make some more money. Um, Does that actually? Well, it's been re-released a couple of times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were making a sequel. Yeah, making about ten sequels. It's ridiculous. Oh, okay. Well, it's like I said in Hollywood, if something kind of works, they'll just keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, death. Which is my don't get me started on the amount of Marvel films that have come out. Like I cannot even keep up with them. No, I don't do that. Are you not a Marvel fan? No. Well, I am. I like the films. I liked it, but I'm going to be honest. I don't see them. I'm going to have to requote Martin Scorsese here. They're not a film. They're a ride at a theme park. And I completely agree with that. They're entertaining. Snob. Don't get me wrong. You're a snob. You're I'm a snob. not a snob. No, it's not. I mean, do you know how they film those things? Like, there's no set. They're just in front of a green screen. The actors, they don't get a script. They don't know what's happening in the film at all. They don't know what they're going to say in the next line. Like, they just get told, you're going to say this line now. And you're going to fight this guy now. And there's no setting. There's nothing. Like they're just essentially like in like this box where they don't know what they're doing. Like how I don't feel like that's how you act. You know, like you don't become an actor to do that. You become an actor to, um, or a screenplay writer to you know like write something that people can get into the character of. And then here it's more just like stand here, look at this tennis ball. That's the villain right there. And now you're gonna fight them, and you don't even know what you're doing day to day. Like if you listen to the uh, to the actors like interviews, like they weren't given scripts or anything like that. Like they would be told you're coming in for a funeral or like for a wedding scene. It turns out it was like a funeral kind of thing. Like how yeah. do you even know? Like, I don't know. Like I, I I find them entertaining. Sure, I went, I saw them in the cinema. Not all of them, but some. But I just I don't find them. They're not. It's not cinema to me. And it it is it is basically it is made to make money. Like let's be honest. Um, whether you agree with that or not, um, like think cinema should be for money or not, like this, these films were made for the money of it. Yeah, no, I I, I can agree with that. It's like definitely commercialism to them. Yeah, but um, but uh, you know that's just like a whole other rant that I could get into. But yeah. <laughs> so you're a proper purist then of 
cinema. I wouldn't say that. I mean, <laughs> I, I like to watch stupid films. I like to watch dumb films. Wow, there you come, stupid. Wow, what's this? This is elitist. You no, know, I'm not. I'm not calling Marvel <laughs> films stupid. I'm just. I'm just, like they're entertaining. But for example, I will watch really bad films sometimes simply because, like for example, I will rewatch the other day, a couple months ago. I had nothing. Oh, this is before I started my job. I had nothing to do. I rewatched all the Twilight films for the nostalgia. Um, just to remind myself, like, why did I like these things so much when I was 11? And I reminded, and then I was like, oh my God, these are amazing. Like, they're horrible, but they're amazing. <laughs> um, as in, like, I could see why I liked them so much when I was 11. So, no, you know, I mean, to me, cinema, you know, it doesn't have to be, not everything has to be like, when I was 13, I was a proper film snob. Like, I would only go to art house cinema and I'd only watch like French films. Um, <laughs> I was What's such a twat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Please cut that out. Cut that out when you edit the thing. English thirteen year old I've ever heard. Oh my god. <laughs> who, who edits this thing? Um, no one. We can just put it out. <laughs> Please, you have to cut things out. <laughs> when I when I said that people suck each other's dicks, that needs to be cut out. This bit needs to be cut out, okay, and when I okay. call myself a twat, that needs to be cut out. Uh, okay, I did not consent. <laughs> oh my god! No, you're gonna right. get complaints. Um, uh, we've said a lot. No, I mean it. Don't worry. Um, but I was gonna say I was like such a snob, and now I don't see that. I see as cinema as more as like, yeah, there are films that will really change the course of time and will make people like really open people's eyes and there are films that will stand the test of time like The Graduate or you know just any other any other of those films that I love so much but there's also films that you just watch because you want to be entertained and because you want to laugh and because it reminds you of a certain thing in your life um so you know I'll re-watch films like um the old like Disney Channel film that was on all the time like um you know the um parent trap films and that stuff just because it reminds me of a good time um, and it's cute and I like it. So to me, a movie going experience doesn't have to be always about, is this an amazing blockbuster or is this a film that will re- achieve cult status? Sometimes it's just like, wow, I fucking love yeah, it. Just the you know? the time thing. Yeah. Yeah. But not, not just that. It just like remind, brings out these emotions in you that you would have had when you were like 10 or 11 or younger, you know, like, like when I rewatched like the Lion King or, you know, any like little mermaid and stuff like that. You know, you were watching it and you think, wow, I, I remember why I loved this so much. Mm. Oh. Nostalgia, really. Yeah, I think there's definitely an element of that. I really like the film Hercules because it was probably one, oh, of the, one of the films I watched when I was younger. and still watch it now. I'm like, yeah, sick. No, but anyway, when I was 13, I was just, you know, I had this group of girlfriends of mine. Um, shout out to my girlfriends when I was 13 to 15, where all we did was um, read like classic novels like Dickens and Jane Austen and all that and then we <laughs> and then we would go and we would watch like French art house films and, and like, we were just like we were so and we were just yeah I don't know why we were like that but um it just reminds me of a time in my life where I was like that and I was such a snob and and I I um I don't remember someone was saying something about I don't know what film it was and I just like rolled my eyes at them just be like oh God, <laughs> you watched you watched Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my God! Gosh, have you yeah. not seen Agnes Varda's recent documentary? It's, it's outstanding. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh God, no! I will. Yeah, the thing is, I think I wanted so bad to be that cultured girl who 
only watched like Coen Brothers films at most. Like that was the most I would go to. It was like Coen Brothers or a film in, my dad would joke with me. He was like, Julia doesn't watch a film unless it's um, in French with Polish subtitles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like he would say that to me. Um, and I would watch these like incredibly depressing films and everyone would just be like, why do you like this? And I was just like, because I do. And I don't think I even liked them. I just really wanted to be that person who liked those films. The culture, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be really cultured in that. And I don't know why. That's just who I wanted to be at that time. I don't regret it. I have no regrets. I don't regret my Twilight phase. I don't regret that phase. <laughs> so what's the what have you seen most recently in cinemas? Um, oh, this is, this is an exclusive. I got to see an exclusive first screening of The Invisible Man. Oh, really? Yeah, at a hotel. Oh, wow. Um, got to, that? Oh, uh, Glamour magazine. Yeah, they were doing an exclusive screening. Um, and I got to see Elizabeth Moss and the other actor who... Okay. And the director and the... Yeah, is it out yet? It is, For the yes. rest of the public? For yes. the rest of the general public? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, two um, exclusives in one so... evening, brought me. Well, I know, I know, you should really, I think I'm just very good networking my way into cool things. Well, no, the Bell Size Village thing was a coincidence. The other thing, I got tickets to. I didn't pay for them, I got selected to be in it. Um, yeah, so um, that was, I thought that was really good, but my friend, um, Gordana, was just, she couldn't even, like, look at the screen. Hi, Gordana, I'll tell her to watch this. And so we had to leave early because she was, um... So, so terrified. But that was a really, um, it was almost too scary. The point where I love being scared. Yeah, well, we had to because of her. So, you, do you know how, you don't know how the film ends? I don't know how it ends. I watched, like, almost all of Okay. And now I have to go back to the cinema and rewatch it. Um, but anyway, that was a recent film that I really liked. But it was almost too scary. Okay. Like, I love being scared. I love horror films. But it was almost too scary. <laughs> Like, Obi, I don't think this is interest. for you. I don't think this is for you, Obi. I'm definitely going you to see it now. You two are for each other, bro. Peas in a pod. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. I, I, I'm big into horror fan, uh, films. Mm, so, yeah, it. I'm going to... The other day, I'm... I got Tom to watch The Matrix for the first time. Okay. What yeah. was his thought on it? Did he give you a, a really um, kind of eloquent summary, or did he just go, yeah, it was good? No, no he just said it was, it was just, like, pretty pretty standard that he didn't think there was anything about it that was exciting and I was like that's because you're still in the matrix like he doesn't (laughs) understand just how far beyond that film goes yeah I think it was very much like it was the graphics were amazing but 20 years ago yeah but it's but it's not just about that I mean I don't know if you've read Plato's allegory of the cave this is when I talk about me being a blob um but Plato's allegory of the cave um if you read that you know if you're familiar with the story that was basically like a reimagining of it um of this philosophical concept that we're all really ignorant until we we get out of the matrix and the matrix obviously that's not what plato intended that wasn't a matrix but the idea that we're all really ignorant we don't know anything until we become enlightened Mm. yeah so no it's really deep and um if you read like uh, plato's republic there's like a whole divided line of knowledge that you go up and neo goes up these different not these different these different levels of the divided line until he receives ultimate knowledge which is when he accesses all his powers at the end of the matrix you know like when he finally understands how to manipulate the matrix um and it's the idea that we could all get to that if we enlighten ourselves okay yeah reach enlightenment just like yeah. Buddhist ideology there, isn't it? 
Yeah. Well, this is ancient Greek, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, what, what was the last thing you watched at the cinema, apart from Onward? Um, let's see. I've seen I've seen three films this week. I watched uh, I watched My Spy yesterday um, with Dave Bautista. It's like a family comedy, basically. It's been really. Oh, is that God. is that the one with Kumail Nanjiani? No, that's uh, Stuber. Um, oh, which right, is crap, sorry, which no, is no, crap, no. <laughs> which is absolute <laughs> crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like a, it's like a kids' film kind of thing, and obviously, like Dave Teese is like this big guy, and he's like playing a, like you know he's trying to like um, forms a relationship with like this um, little girl who lost her dad and blah blah blah, and yeah, it's a decent film. Um, I think it's been slated quite a lot uh, from critics and stuff, but I thought it was alright. I don't think um, that grown men should be having friendship with little girls. I'm just going to say that. Well, well, obviously. I feel that we've learned a lot in the past few years about that. To be <laughs> fair, um, in the film, the mum thinks that he's a, like a, a pedo, so she like slaps ice cream out of his hand and kicks him in the balls. It's pretty funny. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's just a cautionary tale for kids. Uh... Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a decent film. The little girl is quite charming as well. Like she's a good. She's a good. Good actress. Um, mm-hmm. Which is rare, to be honest, for child actors. Um, yeah, child actors. But it depends. You've got some good child actors. Mm, few and far between, in my experience. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But yeah, um, that's, that was a decent film. Um, on Friday, I saw... What did I watch? I watched Bloodshot, the Vin Diesel film. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not he... good, but it's not bad. Let's put it out there. I feel like that describes pretty much every Vin Diesel film. Yeah, do you know what Vin Diesel's very? He's very, very wooden. wooden. Yeah. yeah, very stoic. Like he doesn't really show much. When he tries to show range, it just doesn't work. Like I see him, and I just think I just think of Dominic. What's his face? Dominic Toretto, or his name? Yeah. yeah. Really, because I've seen him in the Pacifier, and I thought he had great range in that. <laughs> I've not seen that it. was a joke. Okay, it's a Disney film, like oh, where he God. plays like this. Oh, actually, everyone should watch the Pacifier. And he plays like this, like secret agent that's sent to protect this like family of five, and then he basically has to like be their dad. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, that's basically what my spy is, but, but yeah. Yeah, but but it's yeah. So um, in the past part, he had great range. I mean, he <laughs> saved a family. He changed nappies. He taught a girl how to drive. You know, this is um, yeah. He's he's got so many skills. The hero we need. Yeah. So. Does Bloodshot, do you think it's got franchise potential or is it, you know? Oh, there's elements there where I think, oh, this could actually be pretty cool if they expanded on this a bit more. But I don't think the film's going to make enough money to warrant them expanding the universe. Was that film think... not ruined in the trailer? Because I've seen the trailer oh, yeah. and um, it's like he gets killed and then they kind of, you know, super soldier him alive again. And then they're like, oh, your wife and kid died. It was this guy. And then in yeah. the trailer, it tells you that they're lying to him. Is that yeah. the big twist or is there another yeah. one? Yeah, no, it is. There, it's the oh same God, thing. Why would you do I tweet, that? I tweeted that like, if you didn't, if you hadn't watched the trailer for the film, then um, you probably would have enjoyed it a lot more because, yeah, the big twist, obviously what you just said, happens halfway in the film. And I'm thinking, watch it, thinking, okay, there must be another twist coming any minute now. And then the film finishes. I was like, okay, cool. Decent. And then, yeah, very really. <laughs> Again, it's like, I wouldn't have minded watching the film, you know, just as like a pure escapism thing. But the fact that 
yeah, the main twist of the film is revealed in the marketing of it. You're like, who puts? You know who puts together trailers? Like who decides what scene goes in the trailers? Well, I don't think it's. Well, the, I feel, the I feel like they have companies that make trailers, so they have a person that's specifically for that. But obviously, the huge input has to be made by the producers and the director. Like, how much do they want to give away? But there are people that make them. I would love to know. I would love to talk to some one of them and just ask, like, for example, for that trailer, like, ask them why they put that in. <laughs> yeah, but I presume that they get told what to put in, mm. um, and they just they get told like what to put in, and then they kind of mix it and see like how this this is going. But it's like I said, I just feel like trailers are just really shit nowadays. Yeah. Um, I used to like you remember like when you would go to the cinema as a kid, and then there'd be like all the trailers, and then you'd be like, I'm gonna watch that, I'm gonna watch that, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah. Trailers were really good when I was a child. That's yeah. what I'm like now. Now they're just. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now you watch it and you're like, oh, I know how that's gonna end or, or i know this yeah there's like some trailers that you know there's no point in them but do you know what netflix um, is one of the worst for that because their trailers are so long and they give away everything mm. yeah oh i actually haven't noticed that to be fair i don't really watch many netflix trailers oh, yeah i think i'm so out of the loop with trailers and what's what's up and coming other than like the big stuff then like a quiet place to the new james bond film and like the new like disney reboots like i've been so out of the loop <laughs> What was the third film you saw recently, Obi? Um, can I add another film onto that as well? Because I, really, I would like to talk about it. But okay. so the third film I saw, I saw The Hunt on Thursday, which is oh, a I film. Was... Yeah, we both spoke about it briefly. So it's about um, um, it's about liberal elites in America organizing a hunt of I think it's like twelve or eight Republicans for sport, basically. So they literally hunt them to kill them just for I feel the like sake. I've heard of this. Yeah, it's really controversial, apparently. And it's supposed to come out a while ago, I think. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Glenn, I think you would be entertained by it. But I, don't, I wouldn't tell you to go cinema and watch it and pay to go watch it. Like, if okay. it comes out on Netflix or something, then watch it. Um, why, do you, why do you say that? What is it about it that doesn't kind of require uh, going to the cinema? I don't know. I just, I just, to be honest, it's not really my cup of tea. It's not really my sort of film that I would like to watch. There is a lot of like um, a lot of social is it social commentary or satire, I guess, for both political sides. So I suppose that's the yeah. Part. That's what I heard is that both yeah. people are both sides of the spectrum are getting really like fussy about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really wound up about yeah. it. The film takes digs at both of them, which I suppose is good because obviously you wouldn't want one just portraying the yeah, other side. No, yeah, no, um, But I don't know. I just don't think it really meshes very well, and it's kind of gruesome as well. Obviously, I don't really like that all that much um and yeah i don't know i think the script's kind of shit as well for being honest like some of the some of the dialogue pretty pretty crap being honest and any anything that sticks out because obviously obviously julia you're interested in writing and screenplays and everything so yeah. i'm always i always am fascinated by when p- people think a script is really good or really bad because i don't think i've ever really picked up on it like obviously if someone I don't know, you can probably tell quite bad dialogue. It's like, hello, how are you? How was your day? Yes, it's really good, thank you. How was your oh, day? Oh, yeah, you can tell but it's like, bad dialogue. Yeah. I don't know. So, Obi, I'm just interested in why you thought, why that the writing stood out as particularly bad for you. Um, I think they tried to make quite a lot of jokes, and I think, maybe it's not my, not my sense of humour, but I think quite a lot of it, like 80% of it fell flat for me. Mm. Um, and then when they tried to get serious, I, it never really took, ever took a tone, if that makes sense. Mm. So like, even when they tried to be serious, you could always tell it was an underlying joke. Joke, like there was a joke coming. Kind right. of thing. Do, 
is it kind of that thing that I was saying earlier about trying too hard? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. So. No, I get it. Nowadays, every film comes with, like, an agenda, in a way. Mm. A lot of films do because they think, oh, this film. Like, everyone was talking about it. How can I do a film where I, I like, really, like, like, tug at people in the same way? And then they try so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But, yeah, it's all right, I guess. Um, it reminds me of like the purge it is quite similar to that uh, to be fair um and um don't get me wrong every time a new purge film comes out i am first me and tom actually both first in line to see it (laughs) have you watched Um, the series i've got to say we have yes we have and it's really dark i've never seen Um, it i'm just curious okay no i mean i think it's like the kind of thing the purge where it's such an interesting concept that even if the films are shit you can still keep making I'm sorry, do you guys swear on this podcast? Because I've been swearing yes. a lot. Okay, sorry. Um, I wasn't sure. I should have asked beforehand. We are um, an hour and 40 minutes in, but yeah. Ob- Obi <laughs> has, has dropped the C-bomb a few times. <gasps> no. I, I was I was quite... I almost called myself the C-bomb earlier. Oh, you can. I was it's fine. No, I was... That's why I said to cut out the thing about sucking each other's dicks and stuff like that. Uh, because fine. I've said it's it three times now. But, um, but just because I don't want you guys to get complaints. Um... From like I don't know the viewers, um, I don't think the listener. Any, sorry, any any gun. You don't don't worry about that. <laughs> you don't have listeners. As long as you the... don't offend Tom Appleyard's parents. Oh, Why so... did I bother coming on this thing then? I was oh, hoping wow. to like <laughs> become famous. Oh my god! Um, yeah. No, I've got like four million TikTok followers. It's crazy. I was thinking of starting my own podcast at some point. You should. If you're good at networking and stuff, you'll you'll do a yeah, lot. Yeah, I don't know. I'll get you both on it, but I don't know if it's gonna if it's the concept of it is gonna like work. And also, it's a lot of hard work to keep up a podcast. What do you want to talk about? Well, so this is my idea. So, um, I wanted to have a podcast, but obviously, people talk about their lives and and love and work and failures and successes but i wanted it to be the point of view from their favorite scene in like films or in a film so for example i would have a new guest on every week so or not every week every episode would be a new person like a friend of mine or someone that i know and i and they would and it would start off by the point of view they say what is your favorite scene in films and then we'd break down that scene and just sort of talk about everything in their life that comes from it kind of like a desert island disc but with one scene or okay. one film. Interesting. And we just talk so about like anything about that, but I don't know if it's it's a good enough idea that people will wanna ha- will wanna talk about it because you know obviously then it gets like really personal and people are gonna be like you know when I was twelve years old you know I was bullied and then I don't want them to cry or do I want oh, that's them to what cry? you want, I don't know. want yeah. them to cry. That's, I think that's where you get the. The, the content you know yeah. i was just i the thing is i i listen to podcasts all day long that while i'm at work and i'm just like such a crier in podcasts um i was listening to ian wright's desert island disc the other day and he cried so much in it and i was just like crying alongside with him so i don't know if i have the emotional strength to host a podcast where people talk about their feelings so i, I think if you were, if you if you were the first person you know like you kind of opened yourself up and that would give people you know yeah more of a, I don't know I don't know is is it a good enough idea 
Like I wanted it to be sort of the point of view of like, because to me, movies and TV shows, they 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 kind of make you like they really influence your life, like your favorite films and things like that. And I just want someone to like open up with the scene. So my favorite scene would be the last scene of The Graduate, um, where they're like running off on the bus. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's just so much to deconstruct from that scene. And it really just made me think of so many things. And then, you know, people could talk about a lot of things, but I don't know. I don't know if it's a good enough idea. I think it's really original. I think it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, I've really? never heard. Would you, would you guys, would you guys, well, but because there's so many podcasts about people talking about their love stories or their failures and things like that. There's so many podcasts like that. And there's also a lot of film podcasts. So I don't know. I thought, how could I make it different? I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Would you guys come on it? I think Obi would love to open up. I, I actually would. I don't, I don't mind would opening actually? up. I don't, what what yeah, scene would you talk about? Anything you want. <laughs> What, but what would what what scene would you select if I ask? I would set people questions, obviously. But the first question would be, what scene? Um, like a what scene from pilot. films? <laughs> yeah, um, the one that comes off the top of my head that I think I would talk about was I don't know if you see have you seen the Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. So the film when um, where Will Smith's holding his son and they're they're like sleeping in the in the toilet in the public <gasps> station. Yeah, it's that one. And he's like, oh, I know that scene. Did you have a really sad childhood like that? Or? No, not really, you know. I, just think, <laughs> I, think, I think it's... My, my childhood was pretty decent, to be fair. I think it's yeah, the father-son aspect of it. I think the father-son Oh, my God. So, well, then I'm going to get into questions like, what's your relationship like with your father? Yeah. And it's going to get it's gonna get pretty intense, Obi. I'm an open book. Don't worry, I'm an open oh, book. Yeah, you are, I've will been you trying be... to get Obi to open up for, like, 15 years. Okay, Obi, will you be my first guest on it? I would love to. Okay, but you have to. Well, I can come to you, but I it's I it's gonna be an in person situation. It can't be over Skype because it has to be like emotional. Because <laughs> you have to see me cry. Yeah? It has to be like yes, I want you to, and I want I want the emotion to be like you know sort of like lingering in the room. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be okay. I'm gonna make this happen. Can I linger in the room? Because I want to see. <laughs> you can but then you have to do it as well oh, yeah that's cool okay you're, we'll do that that would be like getting blood from a stone <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how good your interview technique uh is. guys i don't know if you know this but i've been in a relationship with tom appleyard you don't think i know about that uh you don't think i know about that well you might not up until uh i think six months ago i thought his only response to everything was it's all right so <laughs> you know I feel like the title of this episode should be Deconstructing Tom Appleyard because really we talked a lot about him. So. I agree. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> there was one more film I wanted to talk about quickly. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I've monopolized this. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if you've, you've seen the trailer for it. It's called Downhill. Uh, no, but it's Will Ferrell, isn't it? Will Ferrell, yeah. Oh, the oh. one with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I watched the trailer for it. Yeah. With oh, no you back- tweeted about this. I know. Yes. So, like, I watched it. The trailer made me think it's like a comedy, like a funny, like you know, typical Will Ferrell kind of thing. Um, it didn't look good. Don't get me wrong. But then I went to watch it, um, and it's generally one of the worst films I've seen this year. <laughs> I think it's the worst film I've seen this year. Like, it's not funny. And I don't think it ever meant to be funny. It's actually a remake of a Swedish film. I can't remember what it's called, but this, apparently it's, it's a really good film, I've heard. Um, and they've just, the way they've, like, 
the film's not dramatic. It's not funny. It's just a mess. And like, it's just shit. Everything about it's shit, in my opinion. I feel like <laughs> remakes of foreign language films are so tough because humour can be so culturally specific. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And not even just humour, but anything. I think that's one thing that I thought um, I, I really enjoyed about Parasite is that I felt like the humour, whether intentionally or if it's just similar anyway, like was quite similar to a Western sense of humour. So I got a lot of the jokes and stuff, or I found it. Yeah. But definitely kind of yeah there's a, there's a sensibility about certain films that when they get remade into you know america like uh, by americans or even british i guess they, they just lose something mm. i don't know like there's the let the right one in and let me in like the there was just something that they couldn't capture about the swedish mm. Film. Mm. but i but i think that, that that's in the case of a, with with cultural with the cultural thing that you said it's also a language thing um sometimes there are certain words and certain phrases that you really can't yeah. translate from a, a yeah. language to another which is what worries me a lot about like um brazilian films sometimes and and just you know foreign people well, i guess for i guess i'm the foreign one to you but um <laughs> um not understanding it but I, it is a it's, it's a language thing as well as a cultural thing in my opinion um yeah. but that film i don't know much about it i just love julie louis dreyfus that wasn't really yeah. I'm saying it anyway. She, she voices right. one of the characters in Onward, I think. Does she? No, does she? Yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is, is one of my favourite comedians, I think. What else is um, she in? She looks so familiar, but I couldn't remember place to face. Um, so she, she made her breakthrough in Seinfeld. Um, wow. She played Elaine in Seinfeld. And then she played um, uh, Christine in New Adventures of Old Christine. And then she played, um, she won, like I think, six Emmys in a row for Veep. Beep. That's yeah. It. Yeah. She okay. is an amazing, amazing, amazing comedian, um, and an amazing actor comedian kind of thing. Um, yeah. Veep is, I mean, um, if if we ever did an episode just on TV shows, I could go on and on and on about some of, some of the amazing TV shows and why they're so written so beautifully. Um, I think Veep would be one of them. Well, I would definitely have you back on to talk more about things like that. We can definitely do a kind of screenplay. Yeah specific one because i would i need to know more about them but wait wait sorry this is kind of a thing didn't you study film i did yeah but it was more like a theory based thing so it wasn't oh right okay it was it was film theory it wasn't necessarily like production or there was right okay funds on like writing or anything okay um, no yeah i get it i thought of like doing something similar to to that but um like maybe follow up i don't know i don't know if i'm good enough for that kind of thing to study film of course you are. Anyone can be. Right, learn until you try. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta believe in no, yourself. No, I'm probably I'm more interested in the sort of journalism side of it at the moment. Um. Yeah. Well, that's why I thought about that in my own podcast. Well, yeah, definitely, because you know you you gotta get your work out there, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. This has well, been a lovely um experience of I know what it's like to be in a podcast now. <laughs> this isn't a massively professional one, so. Uh, no. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't, well, don't... <laughs> My concern was that I, well, because I didn't really know what you guys were going to talk about, just like watch the trailers. I'm good that I didn't talk about anything that we were meant to talk about, and I just went off on tangents. So that's I apologize what, you know, for that. We're just freeform anyway, so it's not like okay. you know we sort of have things to guide us, but yeah. you know it's mostly just wherever the conversation takes us, and that's yeah. I think it needs to be if like you that want, as well. Yeah. 
Well, if you ever want to have me on for like a specific topic, just let me know and I will do my research and I will come in with the facts. Sounds like a plan. Well, yes. thank you so much for taking the time to come on here, uh, giving us an insight into you as uh, like a film buff and also mm. an insight into our friend Tom. Oh, right. So yeah, I think. I think I think the Tom bit was the main bit, not for the listeners, whoever they may be, the one or two odd listeners out there. But I think that for everyone who's ever been to Langley Park and just thought, "Wow, that Tom's a bit of a bit of a mystery, bit of a character, um, bit of a question mark." He's now, someone who has um, today, he called me and himself and our dog a family. So. Oh, I know, I know, I know. It's so, so cute. Oh my god. I Christ. know, I know. I feel like I know a side of him that no one, none of you know, not even his parents. Oh my god, can he be one of your podcasts? Um, I, the thing with that is, I just feel like I couldn't be the one interviewing him because he wouldn't take it seriously and he just wouldn't open up, especially not on a podcast. Um, no, he definitely, I think it would, unless like, I, I there's no way I could get him to say that stuff on there um <laughs> no like even to me it's hard for him to talk about that stuff but but he does have his moments his sweet moments oh he's a i would say one thing is that he's he loves cuddling and he's always the big spoon so that is a insight <laughs> into tom that is a massive insight that is what a massive insight yeah. to hear so thank who you who doesn't like being the big spoon to be fair he's actually he's actually very affectionate sometimes he's a little spoon depends but he's very affectionate I find that hard to believe. So do I. He's so affectionate. Well, with me, obviously, not with you two, but with me, he's very affectionate. And with our dog, who he is obsessed with. Um, But yeah, but we are a family, according to him. That's so cute. That's nice. Cute. So it's fair to having like a renewed faith in humanity now. Oh, I'm so glad that I was able to do that for you, if anything. (laughs) Also, reevaluating do I even know this kid? But. <laughs> I don't. I, that's what I think. I think that that's the main thing. If we want to go back on the Tom topic, is that every time I've met like his friends, which took ages, they all sort of like seemed really confused when they first met me. In the sense that they like, wow, like I just can't believe you're here. Like, like I've heard about you, but you've never seen or you exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been like that. Even I remember at his summer work party, I turned up and with him obviously and I was like all dressed up everyone was in their taxes and and then the people from his team they just like one guy went no and I was like oh and he was like I just can't I just can't believe you're here you know <laughs> um, and I was like this has happened before like I remember at um when I first met Obi at that German beer hall um that guy Ant Ant yeah Ant, he was yeah. like wow like I finally met you like he's scared you hidden away and I don't know he just he's just um and then I think when I start talking to people, they're just like, who is this person? I feel like he just, I don't know, maybe he is a sociopath and he just has different personalities. I think probably borderline. Yeah. Schizophrenic, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, I think he won't appreciate me talking about him, but, but I think that everyone else will because they'll, they'll see a side of him that they can't quite believe. Definitely. Well, yeah. thanks again for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. You've been a really good guest. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm elevated glad. the kind of the normal. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? What yeah, did I? Good. Like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Screech that killed my ears. Um, I think so, okay. I, I I brought the coat I brought the culture up, which is what I aim to do Definitely. at 13 years old. So now that I've I've done that at 22, so I'm I want to meet 13 year old you. 
I was a dick. I was a dick. (laughs) I was a strong, powerful woman dick because I just, I did not take shit from anyone and I thought I was just that higher level of of knowledge in terms of like culture and cinema, not like other stuff, but that. Oh, well, Somewhat, just, I, if 13 year old me and 13 year old Tom had met well that wouldn't make any sense because he's older than me but we would not have gotten along <laughs> I agree with that well, yeah. I'll just do the usual closing spiel oh, okay. follow us on Twitter at ycpodcast17 uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, under average critics and we're on iTunes and SoundCloud so thanks again and uh, don't know when the next one will be but it will be out <laughs> peace <laughs>